It's Friday night, and I feel all right. Sons of one nine in a row, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hey, a- John, we're actually live right now. I didn't know <laughs> that because usually whenever I come on, you start singing and stuff. So, what's up? Yeah, Sorry, I'm, nor- I'm normally going good. before we go live. I typically just sing a cappella, Montel Jordan, uh, like I am tonight. <laughs> Uh, but uh, how, how yeah. about that game by the Phoenix Suns, man? They a ten point win yeah. over the Minnesota Timberwolves, their ninth consecutive win. They now have bumped their record to a highly impressive thirty nine and nine. And a fun stat that they kind of showed during the game: the Phoenix Suns were undefeated on the road this month, the month of January. For the second time this season, they were they've been undefeated on the road. The only team in NBA history to ever do that. Do do do. Matthew. Is who? Retort? Am I supposed to guess right there? No. That's that oh, was a what? fact. That was oh, not a okay. question. I thought you were asking me a question. Sorry. Should we restart the pod? Maybe. Right. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm a little <laughs> off tonight. You know, uh it's <laughs> it's Friday night. It and I went Friday, down to, dude. went down to Zips, watched the first half at Zips with with uh my best friend, uh, my wife lady. and uh my other best Gorgeous. friend, Dosekis. Um, so I enjoyed it, you know, enjoyed it was fun being in a bar. And hearing other people clapping because, you know, again, we watch so many of these games at home uh, and not in in public settings. And if it is a public setting, it's actually at a Suns game. So to be at a bar and hearing like people clapping during Sun, I'm like, yeah, Cam Johnson. All right. Somebody knows who he is. (laughs) Again, all my social experiences when it comes to the Suns over the last 10 years is them sucking and no one watching. So uh, two things. The game was on TV and there are people cheering and watching. That is yeah, great. It was on the big screen of Zip. So I was like, let's go. Phoenix is alive. Let's go. Let's go. So, uh, but welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session Podcast, your favorite post-game pod on Planet Orange. He's Matthew. I'm John. And this is the Jam Session Podcast. Uh, Blaze Megatron. Yes, we did crack crack open a few already, boys. I'm stoked. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about this game. So, uh, you can follow me, <laughs> Lissy with a hat on. Thank God. Yeah, it's Damn. so funny. You know what I mean? When we did the pod, the last pod we did, the everyone just kind of commenting about my forehead. You know, I apologize, Jamsters. I should have put a warning label on the pod before we went live that, hey, Lissy might look a little different. Yeah, that's me. That's me in real life. Just like Chris Vernon on The Ringer. Whenever people actually saw what he looked like, he got shit for the longest time. It's like, yeah, that's my forehead. So get used to it. And that's why I always wear a hat because I'm a bald guy. So like, I'd really shock you. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I try to, I try to temper those expectations for the Jamster listeners, especially considering, although many of you listen to this podcast, a ton of you watch it. So we have to prepare you for those things. And uh, I'm sorry. I, I feel like we failed them, Matthew. I feel like we failed them with our, with our jorts yesterday. No, it was good. It was just, you know, I'm at work. I mean, you're, you're helping with uh, taking care of the dog. We just, they enjoy us, dude. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all part of the process, right? All part of the process. Mm-hmm. So uh, plenty to talk about, obviously, on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Ninth consecutive win for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, but this is a reminder, as always, to please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can give us a review there. And actually, we do have some new reviews on Apple Podcasts. So... I don't know, Matthew, should like I read them now or should I read them at the end of the pod? What do you think? Let's do I'm in the mood right now. If okay, the perfect. don't mind, I want to hear my if you don't mind, here's two new five-star reviews. So again, if you go into Apple Podcasts, you give us a five-star review and you actually type something in, we'll read it right here on the podcast for you. So the first one <laughs> is from Van Dunk. It says BDB's Love Child. Great show from a couple of Valley Boys. John and Matthew have great insight and break down the game well, despite the fact that one of them is a Cowboys fan. I know, gross. But you can tell it's a labor of love, and these guys are true Suns fans, even though one of them cheers for another city's football teams uh, or team. Thank you for doing this pod, fellas. I truly enjoy it. So thank you, Van Dunk, for giving us a five-star yeah, thank you. review. Appreciate it. And the next one is from Ganny uh, Marcia. Again, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Most entertaining, legit, funny post-game Suns analysis is the title of this review. Started watching your pod on YouTube a couple of seasons ago. It's gotten better each year. Voida's analysis of the game and players is spot on. Those The drops are amazing. The Sarge smoke break was excellent, but the newer ones are great too. Lissy and John are two true Suns fans speaking from the heart, sprinkling in a lot of laughter and knowledge of this team. The childhood trauma segment is hilarious, which we haven't done in a while. Maybe we'll throw one of those out there. Uh, but the reason... Or, but there's only one reason I come back now, and it's that once in a while we'll get a glimpse at Matthew's guns in that tank top. 
keep it going, mm. fellas. All I'm right. looking forward to the rest of the season. There you go. <laughs> when it gets warm outside, you'll, it'll pop right back on. There you go. Me. We, we got to give the Jamsters what they want. They want Matthew's mm. guns out there. So, uh, <laughs> again, <laughs> subscribe, rate, and review while you're there. And if you're watching along live on YouTube, <laughs> hit that thumbs up button down below. Please subscribe. <laughs> Please hit the bell notification. Uh, Matthew, it is Friday night. It is right, Friday. Uh, what, what are you popping? A V8? No, actually, uh, I went over to my sister's for dinner, and mm-hmm. I grabbed one of these out of her fridge. So Ooh, Lagunitas IPA. Good yeah, my go. favorite. My favorite beer, I think, of all time. Well, I got a Coors Light. I've been drinking Dos Equis all night, but you know what? Pop them if you got them anyways. And let's talk about another victory for your Phoenix Suns. Yes, Jamsters, another win for your Phoenix Suns. Uh, taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves and be- defeating them by 10 points, which brings me to my first question of the podcast. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask, was this the closest 10-point victory of the season for the Phoenix Suns? Because it felt... Like the the Minnesota Timberwolves were constantly nipping at our heels the entire game, and then at the at, when everything's said and done, the Phoenix Suns win one thirty four to one twenty four. Uh, it was, and I think there's maybe one reason because in the last two minutes of the game, the Suns actually miss a shot. Usually, when it goes into the last two minutes, the Suns drain everything. They get to their spots, they find the wide open guy in the corner, and it's game over. Tonight, they missed a few, and then Chris Paul, I think it was a minute 30 left. He's like, oh, I'll just take the ball back. Goes back down the floor, takes it back, waves his team down the floor. Like, let's let's go. Let's get this over with. Like, why are we missing these shots when they usually go in 100% of the time? So maybe that's why you're thinking that. It was close, and I knew it would be a closer game if we didn't have everybody coming back that was injured. So that being a factor, the Suns did what they could, especially hitting good from three-point percentage, but I just think it wasn't enough to really blow this team out, obviously. So keeping it close, but still a good cushion, I feel like. Yeah, 10 points. I mean, you know, again, kudos, kudos to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are, they are a scrappy team. Uh, they're an athletic team. They fight. And as Kay Ray mentioned numerous times on the podcast, you know, this is a team that gambles a lot on defense. And due to that, they force the most turnovers in the league. And also due to that, you know, they had a ton of points off of turnovers this evening. Uh, They ended up with a total of 21 points off of Phoenix turnovers. Phoenix Phoenix had 12 turnovers. The Minnesota Timberwolves scored 21 of their points off of them. So they're definitely a team that has the tenacity. They have the fight in them. Uh, And as our good buddy Suns Geek, who just commented in the chat about that, you know, he said that uh, props to the Timberwolves. Man, they fought hard. They might make the playoffs this year, too. And I can definitely see that. And I'll tell you this, if it has to do with the Phoenix Suns, he's going to make a video about it. So stop by Suns Geek channel and uh, he'll probably talk about uh, the the Timberwolves there, you know, and how the Suns ultimately outlasted them. And I think you brought up something very interesting. You know, think about this. The Suns scored 134 points tonight. They don't have DeAndre Ayton. They don't have Jay Crowder. They don't have campaign. You know, I mean, the list goes on. JaVale McGee's out. What this team is doing as depleted as they are, I don't know if they get enough credit for it. And tonight is a night where you're going against a team that forces turnovers, who shoots a ton of threes, makes a ton of threes. I mean, that's what we talked about. That would be kind of the the X factor, if you will, coming into this game against a great three-point shooting team. And they both shot 39 threes in this game, both the Suns and the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves made 35% of them, you know, almost 36, 35.9. They made 14. The Sun shot 51.3% from deep in this game, went 20 <laughs> yeah, for 39, man. and ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, they beat them at their own medicine. They did. And how many times have the Suns like shot um, 39 uh, three-point attempts this year? And seriously, they, they shot like 35% in those games and still won. So it's nice to have a game where the Suns have sh- shot at least 50% from three because I don't feel like they do that. When it comes down to like the last seven minutes of a game, then they start to hit them. I don't feel like they've really had too many games where they really relied on the three, but it's nice in this stretch when you're missing guys, especially Cameron Payne, who can hit from three recently before he got hurt. He was on fire. Jay Crowder, of course, always hits big threes. JaVale McGee and DeAndre Ayton always knocking down threes. 
I you have those guys on the bench. I was joking about that one because I would like to see more of it because when you're watching Cat tonight and when he makes a three, you realize how deadly he is just as a player because oh, yeah. it's disgusting how big of a guy he is and he can make that three two or three feet back from the three-point line like just straight on. That's pretty scary. Um, but the Suns, they never really focus on scoring the three as much. I mean, the way Chris Paul and Devin Booker play now, playmaking to find these guys in the corner is one thing but we never had to rely on it. Right. It's just something that, you know, if we make them, it's like only oh, only one because they made their threes. It's like, okay, well, you know how many games we've won without the three going down? No, Most that's of just, them. yeah, it's, that's not who we are. And kind of to answer your question, there's only two other times this season that the Phoenix Suns have shot over 50% from three uh, for okay. the entire game. Yeah. It was against Detroit on December uh, the second and against at the Pelicans on the 1st of January. And this is only the second time this season that they've made 23s. They did it against Charlotte on December 19th. You know, all those games were wins. Uh, but this is a team, you know, kind of as you mentioned, they don't necessarily make their living, if you will, off of the three ball. You know, you you look at where they are relative to the, the pack, if you will. You know, their three-point percentage is sixth in the league. The Phoenix Suns are 36.3 from deep, but they shoot the 25th most threes. They make the 22nd most threes. So they're a team that can make the three, but that's not how they beat you. And we know that. We talked about that a lot on the last podcast about, you know, how what drop defenses are and how the Phoenix Suns, more than any other team in the NBA, take advantage of those drop defenses on pick and rolls because it opens up the mid-range and that's where we're highly effective. But if we need to shoot the three, we can shoot the three. And tonight, you know, this th that's why, you know, I asked that question. This was a 10-point game at the end of it. But it felt like it was so much closer throughout the game because the Minnesota Timberwolves just kept throwing punches. And the Suns had to kind of kept throwing punches back. And they had the assets around them, or they had the, you know, the assets on the floor who could still, despite all of the injuries that we have, for the multiple different reasons that we have them, could still offensively connect and you know score 134 points. You had every starter for the Phoenix Suns scored in double figures tonight. You had, you know, Chris Paul uh ends with a triple double tonight, 21 points, 14 assists, 10 rebounds. Booker's got 29, Bridges has got uh 18. Uh Biombo, he has 14 in this game. And then of course, you know, there's there's your boy. Lights, Cameron, action. You know, Cam Johnson in his 23 points, five for nine from deep, eight for 13 uh, overall from the field, five rebounds, four assists, and had a couple steals as well. I mean, this was another fantastic Cam Johnson game, you know, and, and we've talked about it before and we'll, and we'll talk about it again, how effective he is as a starter, you know, his splits coming into this game. You know, in uh, how many how many games is he starting now? Eight. I think tonight was his ninth start. Right in coming into this game, his splits as a starter, he's averaging seventeen points a game, uh, and he's shooting fifty one point eight percent from deep. I mean, this guy's just yeah. amazing as a starter, man. No, he he is, and honestly, starting whether or not he's starting, the way he turns things on now. So I'm trying to find different ways to really appreciate this guy because I feel like right now, like everything he does. It's just something I expect. So different, newer things just to make me a little bit happy in the relationship. You know, just just surprise me with some flowers or something, Cameron Johnson. So he, I think he has the last few games. I kind of noticed where in the last seven minutes, I don't know if he's getting this from Chris Paul. You know how all these young players can learn from Chris Paul. He goes the extra mile. He has like that extra gear now. And it's not like he doesn't start games sometimes well. You know, throughout the games, he'll have the big dunk, the big take to the rim, uh, even the fast breaks. Like, he's a guy, he's a one-man fast break now. <laughs> he will finish the game the last seven minutes where he's just, like, a better player. He'll hustle more. I'm not saying that he doesn't hustle part of the game, but he wants to just take care of business with Chris Paul in the last seven minutes. He knocks down all his shots, basically. He gets to the rim when he wants. He always grabs the rebound when it's needed. Him and Mikael Bridges both do that. So I think the newest thing really lately in like the last 10 games, maybe I noticed is just that seven minute mark when mm -hmm. I don't know if he comes in or he starts at the eight minutes, but he just comes in and he makes a difference. He stands out even more than he usually does. And I think that's just something he picked up from Chris Paul. I just, I think it's because he realizes like, Hey, like I'm going to get paid this off season. I'm going to make money, whatever he gets paid this off season. Next season. I don't remember. I'm going to get paid. I'm gonna get my money. I'm not going to go to the all-star game. All right. 
I'm not saying he's like walking himself through these games, but he saves a lot of that energy for the seven minutes and on because he knows it's a long season, dude, right? And he just knows like no matter what, the Suns are always tied with the team up by two or three points going into the fourth. So why not just save that energy for later on? You know what I mean? Just finish them off like Chris Paul. Well, I think that because he's had such an opportunity to play with that first team with Jay Crowder being out and he's, you know, again, this is the ninth time he started, but you know, he's getting a lot of opportunity in that fourth quarter, as you mentioned, I think it's just a comfort thing. And again, there's reasons that Cam Johnson is performing the way that he does in the fourth quarter. Uh, first, I'll read off his fourth quarter stats alone, just for everyone, anyone who doesn't know. Uh, 12 total minutes, so he played the entire fourth quarter. Four for four from the field, including three of three from deep. Uh, 13 points and two assists, including and a steal for Cam Johnson alone in the fourth quarter. And I think that it's a huge byproduct of a couple things. One, you're right. It's 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 the Chris Paul effect. It's the mentality that Chris Paul set, brings to this team. And culturally, we've seen it with this team throughout the season. That's why they're the most clutch team in the NBA, period. Chris Paul leads that attack, and he has taught these players over the past two seasons how to, to your point, kind of save that energy, play within your means. You know, one thing that was was great about the Suns in the fourth quarter tonight is they had three quick fouls. And Chris Paul settled them down. They didn't make any more fouls. Uh, and they let the, the the Timberwolves start to make fouls, and they ultimately ended up in you know getting Phoenix gotten the bonus before they did, and you know going back to Cam Johnson playing cerebrally, that's what's made this team so surgical and has them at thirty nine and nine through their first forty eight games this season. It's because they they play a different brand of basketball. You see it with the with the Timberwolves, they're a team that takes a lot of shots and they chuck the ball up, and it's a little chaotic. The Suns are very very deliberate. And Cam Johnson, because of the way that the Phoenix Suns execute in the fourth quarter, he benefits because when you got Chris Paul and you got Devin Booker out there, you're, the defense is going to do everything they can to try to negate them. And we've talked about it time and time again on how hard that is to do. Because if you blitz Chris Paul, he's going to give it to Booker and then Booker's going to do something and vice versa. Well, guess what that something is? Sometimes it's driving to the basket, dishing it out to Cam Johnson, who's wide open because defense has had to collapse and he's wide open for a three. And his shooting stroke has been nothing but – it's angelic right now. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Do you think that he should be in the three-point contest in Cleveland here next month? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny how we're talking about the game, the two games that they scored over 50% from three. That's what yeah. they average to win those games. And Booker and him have both improved from three. Mikel Bridges has stayed steady, right, about 40%. Um, he absolutely needs to be in there because – for him, I think he's a catch-and-shoot three kind of guy, right? He's really worked on that, the quick release. Uh, so it would be interesting to see him off the rack. I know a lot of these players, of course, are the catch-and-shoot kind of types that go into the contest. But for off the rack, I'd love to see, and I think he can definitely win it. Yeah, I just think that his his shooting stroke is so clean. And I feel like the NBA, <laughs> they owe us. They owe us some suns in that, in that all-star game, man. You know that the Phoenix Suns are going to uh, – yeah. you know, uh, Coach Monty Williams and his coaching staff most likely will be the team uh, that's coaching the Western Conference in that. And that's one of the things, you know, that Devin Booker was asked after essentially being an all-star snart, star, an all-star starter <laughs> snub. He snarted and he goes, he's like, no, I'm trying to do it for coach. He wants to get Monty Williams to Cleveland coaching that team. That's yeah. the goal. That's the little you know, kind of benchmark for this team. It's like, we want our head coach representing the Western Conference because the team with the best record at the All-Star break, their coaching staff gets to coach that team. So I, I think that that's, you know, again, that team atmosphere, everything that we love about the Phoenix Suns, uh, once again was on display tonight. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh well, just because I kind of said snart. Yeah, yeah you said lot, snart. Man. Yeah, snart's probably one of my favorite words to say, I know. too. It is. Know? It is you one of your favorite right. words. Snart city. Yeah. Um, but um, if Cameron Johnson were to make it and go into it, it would be kind of cool if Devin Booker was there too to go. Because I, f- I feel like people forget oh, he'll be that there. he won, right? Oh, he'll be there. But I mean, if he'll, he's gonna, he can enter it too. You can have two of the same players, same players from the same team, right? Oh, I don't see why not. Shit, the Warriors, okay. I mean, they, they, they're they everywhere. You know, they got like four <laughs> yeah. of them are fun. You know, they got Luke two Longo starters. Yep. They, got two, they got two starters. So why the frick not? So uh, one guy I definitely want to talk about in this game. Uh, kudos to a lot of you who were tweeting at me in this game because Landry Shamit had himself a little bit of a ball game. Okay, well, we'll call it as we as we see it. You know, Landry Shamit 
ends with 17 points, five of 10 shooting, four for eight from deep. Okay, and he's he hit some big ones. I think the biggest part of this game, what really set the Suns apart from the Timberwolves was the Cam Johnson hits a three. Next possession, Cam Johnson hits a three. Next possession, Landry hit, Shamit hits a three, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what ultimately put the Suns up. I believe it was 121 to 110 at the point and put the Timberwolves away. And Landry Shamit, you know, two for four from the field, including five points in that fourth quarter. And he also had a, a pretty crucial assist, I feel. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll give I'll give Landry his credit. Uh, but as Sylvia says in the chat, Shamit finally had a good game. Hashtag Matthew called it first. So mm-hmm. I'll let you give me your thoughts on Landry Shamit before I give you mine, Matthew. Well, thank you. I love, everyone, I love everyone adding you because of the negativity. See, that's the world we live in, right? <laughs> yes, it is. The that's neg- Twitter. That's why Booker does not, he's not a starter because there's no negativity towards this guy. Um, the negativity goes towards John, I guess, because the only reason like before in the <laughs> podcast where I would just be like, yeah, you know, I don't like calling them names and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm kind of weird about that with Shamit and a lot of these players. But what we said last pod, the pod before, how I liked his body language going in. Last game was still a bad game, but his body language still looked good. But I was kind of worried this game because in the first half, he, I mean, in the first quarter, he had six points, right? But he didn't look very comfortable. And all of a sudden, like in the third quarter, like he looked like he was getting, he was heating up a little bit and Booker was kind of managing the offense. And then Booker kind of went away from him. Like Shamit was ready. Shamit looked like he was ready to get hot. He really was. It was the end of the third and Booker kind of just ignored him. Going to the fourth, you saw Shamit take over the offense, right? Mm-hmm. And his takes to the paint, his little floater, his his takes with the little wraparound passes he was doing to Biombo. The first take that was a floater, that was the best take all season he's had because he looked like he played basketball before. A lot of the stuff that he's done in these games looks like if I'm a 2K player and I go to the Pro-Am, if he wants to play the Pro-Am, and when you get the ball finally, it's like, oh my God, like I got to do something with it and you just turn it over. Like That was the way Shamit was. I don't know what happened after halftime or after the third quarter, but definitely right now. Wait, what's going on? What's going on? There's some music over there. Is that Shannon? Oh, can you hear that? In the background? Can you actually yeah. hear that? Yeah, yeah. She playing Mariah Carey? No, it's Garth Brooks tonight. She was. Oh, Shannon, turn that shit down. Yeah, your brother's speaking, dude. Um, so one of the best takes I've ever seen, though, from him this season, and that really led to a really good fourth quarter from him. So I could kind of see that build over the last few games, and I'm not going to say this is like the this is the best game he's had so far this year, mm-hmm. obviously, and it just took him about 50 games. That's fine. But it just looked like he was going in the right direction in the last two games, just the way he looked like he was feeling himself on the court. So let's see if this continues, right? You said the drop will not repeat or come back until he has like five good games in a row, right? Yes. So that's kind of, you know, again, kudos to Landry Shamit. This is what I want, man. This is what I want. I want this version of Landry Shamit. I want the guy who can provide instant offense, who alleviates some pressure off of the, the you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and whoever else is out on the floor. I want this Landry, but we just haven't seen it uh, thus far this season. You know, so looking at some of the comments, uh, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, Ro- uh, Rajon T. Monroe, sham wow drop. You know, uh, he deserves, he had a great game, deserves the drop. I'm, I'm not giving him the drop. Until he does I this do five games yet. in a row. Because you know, if th- he does- this is what I want. And this is the way I kind of look at it, right? Landry Sham is kind of like crypto, man. It's like, it's it's going down, right? And every now and then, it'll have like a good day. And you're like, ooh, crypto, that's nice. It's doing well. And then it just goes right back down. Same thing with the stock market right now. You know, so it's like until he continues to trend upwards for like five games where I can sit there and be like, I'm confident in Landry Shamit. I'm not, I'm not going to give him the drop. I'm, I kudos, kudos Landry. Thank you for making me eat my words one night. Do it for five nights, okay? I want five consecutive games where Landry Sham, it makes me eat my shoe. And I'll definitely mm-hmm. do it, you know? But he's like crypto. He's like an NFT, which, by the way, the Sun's Jam Session podcast, I created an F- NFT. I don't know what the fuck that is, but we created one of yeah, my yeah, artwork yeah. right behind behind me. So if you want uh, an NFT of this, uh, go, go to our Twitter <laughs> page. I, I posted it, so. It's uh, so funny because my friends talk about it all the time, and they explain to me, and I'm like, okay, hold on. I still don't While I'm it. driving, while we're eating lunch, I'm like, I can't pay attention. <laughs> I, I don't it. know what you're saying right it's like, now. like, what does this mean? It's, yeah. it's not real. Uh, it Iverson, really quick, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, gonna... really quick about it. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Shamit, Shamit will, um, the way he looked tonight, too, 
is the decision making that you saw really how DeAndre Ayton and how like um, Cameron Payne where they just they make that split decision of just you know I'm gonna make this I'm gonna make I'm gonna make up my mind right now what I'm gonna do but it's so precise it's like a minimal second it's a, a yeah, fraction of a second it's the point five offense from Shamit tonight yeah but that's what you saw from Shamit tonight it's like leaning forward a little bit more knowing where the hell you're gonna go and that's what he did breakthrough night go ahead yeah well let's see again if it's sustainable you know iverson vlog says Shamit when he heard he might get traded again oh shit here we go again next game drop 70 or 70 <laughs> 17 uh, you know it's one of the things that Mark Stein reported today, uh, he, he said, and Mark, uh, Mark Stein is, uh, I believe it's ESPN is who he reports for, but he said, despite indications this week from Suns general manager James Jones that he's prepared to stand pat with West leading Phoenix holding the league's best record, there are rumbles emanating from the desert that the reigning Western Conference champions have discussed pursuing another shooter for the bench with Landry Shamit shooting 37% from the floor in his first season. So it was reported today that... The Suns might be looking for a secondary shooter because Landry Shamit hasn't lived up to what they signed him to do. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, if he comes out and he does this and he's shooting 50% from three and on four for eight shooting and hitting huge threes, yeah, the, the Suns don't need to go pursue that asset. I don't need to sit here and start typing up an article on why I think Josh Hart would be a great addition for the Phoenix Suns, not just for shooting reasons, but holistically, how I think he'd be a great addition for the Suns' second team because Landry Shamit is playing well, but you know, if, if he doesn't play well, then I'm going to go write that article. Right. So Landry mm. Shamit needs to prove to us consistently that he is uh, just what we want him to be. And what he said, and what you saw tonight, that confidence, that 0.5 decision-making and not front rimming every shot. And that's what we saw mm. from Shamit tonight. So again, kudos to you, Shamit. I'm all about it. Yeah. And I feel like it's so weird because the first half, I swear his, the way he looked, he looked like he was still down. He saw six points, and he had that three that got blocked. He took too long, was trying to do the two-for-one, but then got fouled. Luckily got fouled. But the way he was walking back to the bench and stuff, he just looked like he was like, all right, I don't know what's going on. He had to have taken like an Adderall or something because the way his mood and his, the way he looked on the court in the second half was just completely different. Yeah, something Adderall fixes everything. I don't know what it is. Well, I'll tell you what it was. I think as he was running up and down the court, he realized one thing. Skylar Diggins Smith was calling this game, man. Oh my, let's yes, <laughs> let's go, Skylar. Yes, Diggins. wait, wait, uh, wait. can Shannon hear you right now? No, she's listening to Garth oh, Brooks. Okay. Um, love. Um, Jay Schneck, Voida, how'd you like your girl on the broadcast? <laughs> uh, and then Sony Lovato, fuck yes, yeah, Skylar Diggins as a commentary uh, commentator, I absolutely love. I'm I'm yeah. with you there, and I thought it was a really good combo tonight. You know, if Eddie Johnson's not going to be there. Uh, you got Skyler there to kind of – it's the cadence of her voice, man. It's just like she knows her basketball. She's calling out. She's like, hey, they're going to run up here. They're going to run a horn set. They're going to run a back screen off of this. This is what needs to happen. It's like it's mm-hmm. that – it's like almost like Tony Romo, his first year of calling football, where – now he would call what was – like he would actually predict plays, and like Skyler doesn't necessarily do that. But she's talking basketball terminology that – you know, if you're a very casual basketball fan, you're really not picking up on it, but it's just kind of because her voice sounds so smooth uh, and has a good cadence to it. You're like, okay, I don't know what she's talking about. But if you're a basketball fan and you're hearing her kind of explain how this should work or why this should be the way it is, uh, it's just, it, it's soothing, man. It's soothing. It is great. I love how you talk about her voice too, because instead of Siri, I would love to just have a Skylar and be like, Skylar, and then how many apples do I need to eat a day? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And then she would repeat it back to me. A great voice. <laughs> Um, she doesn't hesitate on anything. She's very smooth on the broadcast, and I just I like her a lot. Like I don't, I feel really weird, but I like her, you know, and it's hard because I know you're fighting for her, and you know we got Jay, this love, we got this love, we got this little love triangle going on now. No, I just I think it's it's a it's a welcomed voice kidding. to no, the broadcast, awesome. and good. I think that she knows her basketball. And uh, again, I love I just I, you know. One of the most annoying things to me is, you know, Mar- Marv Albert has a son. And I forget his name, but whenever he calls football games, I want to put like my shoe through the TV because I can't stand the sound of his voice. It's got a, just a shitty cadence to it, you know? And so it's just like hearing her call a basketball game, hearing the knowledge that she brings because she's somebody who's currently playing in the NBA and she's just, she's so into yeah. it with the game. It just makes for a better broadcast. So kudos to you, uh, Bally Sports Arizona for doing that because I really think that it's added to the game. 
Uh, Coda Kid, real quick, uh, thank you for dropping $4.99 in the Super Chat. We truly appreciate it. And you are also an elite jamster, which we also, 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 we also appreciate. We also started. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can become an elite jamster by clicking the join button down below. He goes, what are your thoughts on Big Flex saying Thaddeus will still be a member of this team? Matthew. You know what? Was that the pregame? Because I saw he was on the PHNX. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, he's... Always held his word to that, right? Yep. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen Thaddeus play so many times against the Suns this year, and you haven't been impressed and stuff. Not at all. So it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult because if it does happen, we're gonna be like, oh, what we saw this year is something that we probably don't want or need here. But it's gonna matter, I think, later on. So if we do get them, if we don't, either way, I'm for it. But I think they weren't playing sticks for a reason, but now they have to play sticks. So I'm I'm with them. I believe them. I I trust him more than the Bible. I mean, do you trust the Bible? I mean, never mind. Go ahead. What are you going to say about him? <laughs> uh, no, I just I think that if Thaddeus Young, you know, if if Flex is correct and Thaddeus is a part of the team, of course we're going to get behind that because that's what we do. We're Suns fans. We're but as of right now, I'd prefer to not have him as a member of this team because I just think that you know we ha- what we need on this team is more perimeter play coming off the bench, not more uh, interior play. We have fantastic interior play. We got Bismack Biombo. Uh, Jalen Smith had a solid game. You know, we'll talk about him just here in just a second. But Thaddeus Young is a guy who doesn't stretch the floor. He plays inside the paint. I just feel like it's duplicitous. And I don't know if we necessarily looking that up right now. That that means yes, it's like more than one, like two almost. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of sticks, Stitch Report. I enjoyed what I saw from Stick this e- Sticks this evening. I really did. Mm-hmm. You know, he uh, he pl- he played well. He, he did get into some foul trouble, which I felt was uh, disadvantageous for him. You know, I, he was playing a pretty solid physical game. He ended with ten points, four rebounds, five for seven from the free throw line, which shows you that he was being physical. Uh, he did have uh, a hit from deep, but he ultimately fouled out of this game. You know, but again, he was playing well on both sides of the ball. He was active, and I just think that. You know, again, he continues to show us that we don't need a Thaddeus Young, that we have somebody who can play, I won't say as skilled as Thaddeus Young. He's a because Thad is a unbelievably seasoned veteran veteran in this league. But he can stretch the floor and I just I love the way that sticks rebounds, man. He just he does it with ferocity. You need to look that mm-hmm. one up too, ferocity. Yeah, yeah. All these words, okay. man. Um I got two words of the days yeah. tomorrow. Duplicitous and ferocity. You know, uh the thing is so the way sticks is right now. So he didn't play what was it five or six games in a row? He just didn't play and everyone forgot about him. Was it three? It was it three. It was like, three with DeAndre eight now, but it, it felt like, like five. It felt like forever, but honestly, maybe it didn't because we kind of just never talked about it. Like we didn't bring it up for some reason. Uh, right now, this, this last game, it was a good game tonight. He played, he played very, very well. It seemed like an in-between game where last game, he didn't look that great tonight. He's kind of getting his feet underneath him. And I mean, we say that a lot, but I think he needs that next game Sunday. He'll probably have a big game. And we're going against Thaddeus Young. So interesting. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. I I don't know. The thing is with Sticks, and you're talking about Thaddeus, is like, what do we need going to the playoffs? The confidence from Sticks was there, and it's, and it's been there when we needed it, when we wanted to actually see him perform, and when we needed him when, when uh, I always want to call him Amari, when DeAndre Ayton was not there. So we saw that from him. All right. We saw that. He went away. No one really said anything. Now it's like the next step, of course, is the playoffs. And we, I talked about Cameron Johnson last year, how nothing phased that dude. He did whatever he needed to help the team win in the playoffs. Now it's like, now we're counting on sticks to do the same thing, right? Down low with the bigs. Everyone's talking about how the bigs are back, you know, in the West, especially he has to hold his own. Is it enough though that from what you've seen this year, his confidence is probably going to be there, but is it enough from what you've seen that where you trust him? in the playoffs because i honestly i kind of do i kind of do if we had to play him in minutes you know i mean like 15 20 minutes maybe in a playoff game if that's even going to be possible but i don't know if i trust him if thaddeus were to come here i feel like i was still i would trust him more than a sticks but i I get that because that's the veteran side right like when you have a veteran like thad young you're gonna have more trust in his ability to play in big spots especially the playoffs my whole thing is is he gonna need to you know, in theory, when we hit the playoffs, mm-hmm. it's going to be DA and it's going to be JaVale McGee. And then you have Bismack Biombo as well. So True. if you, you know, so I mean, Sticks is so far down the depth chart 
that I'm not worried about how he performs in the playoffs for the Suns. I worry about how he's going to perform during these stretches where we have guys who are out and he's playing as well as we need him to. He's helping us win ball games. And that's, you know, again, I have said it before the the regular season is a long, long journey. And there's so many different chapters of this journey. And, and you look back on seasons and you, you remember specific chapters, right? We all remember the Frank Kaminsky chapter of, of 2020 slash 2021, where he got like 11 starts in a row. And we won every game. You know, the same thing is happening right now. We're going through the stretch where DeAndre Ayton tweaked his ankle. He's missed, I think, six or seven games. And the team continues to win. The team is now 11 and 0 in games in which Bismack Biombo plays for the team. So there's now, now, is that going to matter when it comes to the playoffs? Not necessarily. It's all. This is just the chapter in the book that's going to get us to the playoffs uh, because we're not going to, in theory, have to rely on Bismack Biombo in the playoffs. We're not going to have to rely on Jalen Smith. And in theory, we're not going to have to rely on Thaddeus Young. That's why I think something that would be more beneficial for the Suns if they choose to make a trade is more of a perimeter player, is somebody who you can bring in off the bench who can play both sides of the ball because as much as like I love a Langston Galloway, I don't want just a pure offensive shooter. I want somebody who can shoot and play a little bit of defense. You know, Shamit, as much shit as I give him, I do have to give him credit for the defense he plays. He hustles. Langston yeah, Galloway, yeah. as much as I loved him, he was a turnstile on defense, and that's why he saw zero minutes in the playoffs. So I don't know if anybody we do acquire will necessarily have to play in the playoffs, uh, but if injuries occur, I feel like we are a little bit more thin relative to quality talent you know, compared to what they should do, a la our guard play, versus quality talent uh, compared to what they, they should do in our front court because we've shown with Sticks the way he's playing, with Bismack the way he's playing, all those guys can perform very, very well in the role that they have uh, right now. Yeah, and one thing too, I wanted to point out earlier in the pod when you're talking about Josh Hart, I would prefer him over Eric Gordon. I know that a lot of jamsters, I feel like, like Eric Gordon. Everyone I like does. I feel like there's just more, and it's not even bad. Maybe it's not bad drama. I just feel like there's more drama around him. Like, there's always just something with that dude. And maybe there's not, but that's just, I don't know why, but that's just, it's weird to me where I think that about him. I was just like, I don't, I feel like it's too much to bring him in. A Josh Hart's just like, hey, let's get down to work, dude. Let's do it. I feel like an Eric Gordon would be too much. Like, just not, it doesn't seem like a good Suns fit right now. Josh Hart would for sure. Well, and, and also with Eric Gordon, his contract is $6 million less. Uh, his is guaranteed for, I think, the next two years, that being mm-hmm. Eric Gordon, whereas it's not guaranteed for either of the next two years for Josh Hart. So it's, you know, if you're going in for Eric Gordon right now, you're locking yourself into something that could handcuff you two years down the line versus Josh Hart is truly, in my opinion, a win now player. And this is something I will definitely be talking about because yeah. I'm, I'm putting together a piece for brightside of the sun.com uh, as Josh Hart is kind of my fantasy trade target guy. I, I know that once I write about it, it won't happen because nothing ever does. I wrote about JaVale last year. Uh, I've written about, I, I think every off season I write a piece about how I want Montrez Harrell and it never happens. So, uh, you know, I really don't think that, and and I get why people like Eric Gordon, and I understand where you're coming from. Like from afar, it seems like there's a lot of drama. It's because he's been on these teams in which he's been, you know, he's been on those rocket teams that were full of drama, right? So he he's kind of been on these teams that have a lot of drama around them. I don't know if that'll necessarily happen when he comes here, but if he comes in, if he comes here, and you don't give up Landry in the deal, you're definitely just going to Skype all of Landry's minutes, and it's no longer productive. So that, that's why I'm like, if we do get Josh Hart, I think that Landry needs to go. So do do it five games in a row, get your drop, and you don't have to get traded. All right, all right, yeah. Are you talking to me? <laughs> no, I'm talking to Landry Shaman. And real quick, <laughs> uh, I got I'm I'm rocking my my son's bracelet here, as you can oh, see. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Did if anybody's interested, with the old ladies. No, no, <laughs> no, man. This is uh, uh-huh. my good buddy Jacoby made this. Uh, if anybody's interested, I got a link in the YouTube chat. It's cobeadsco.com. Uh, get your custom sons bracelets, man. Let's yeah. go. Let's, Let's go. go. Um, you know, we, we've done, what, 40 minutes of the pod, and we haven't even talked about the big dogs in this game. Big Dick Booker. I'm going to start with Devin Booker uh, just because, yeah. you know, he scored yeah. the most points again. 29 points for Devin Booker, 9 assists, 3 rebounds, 10 of 26. That's kind of uh, a non-efficient night for Devin Booker. Uh what was your favorite moment from Devin Booker tonight? 
Oh, his no-look passing. It's all about the no-look passing. The one that didn't even work, it still was beautiful. <laughs> the one where it was a fast break and he tried to do the behind the back with his right arm and he just laid it up. The guy didn't get faked out at all because Cameron Johnson was wide open in the corner. Um, it was a no-look passes. He did it a few times tonight. Um, I love how him and Edwards were kind of going back at it. And I love how the technical at the end of the first, it was it the first half. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So the, the technical with um, towns was beautiful. That was my favorite moment. That's your favorite. Okay. I won't spoil it. I'm just no, going to no, say no, really no, quick. No, no, say it. I'm going to say how I love the fact that, you know, you don't really think about it too much, but the way that the Suns are handling these little moments in the games, end of the halves, end of the quarters where we used to hate, and now I feel like it's just going the other way where the Suns are just picking up any points they can get going into the next quarter because it's a momentum booster. It's something where, you know, these games come down to the wire. The Suns, you know, it's a 10-point game today, but it's closer than that. Like, they're finding ways to get points out of these teams that is just so experienced. Other teams just don't even know what the hell they're doing anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yep. the teams are playing, especially like a, a Minnesota Timberwolves team that's on their climb now to the Western Conference probably going to be in the playoffs this year mm -hmm. they're still doing stuff like that the technical at the end of the half um and then they get the ball back and then the, i think did booker get two free throws too i forget what happened at the end uh that's the technical and then what i, I thought they got I, two free throws too yeah I it was chris paul two free throws <laughs> but that can't talk now <laughs> I, I don't remember matthew i don't yeah, remember it was, it was two booker free throws but I Go do ahead. remember Your thoughts. I do remember Devin Booker when Carl Anthony Towns got the technical foul. Devin Booker just yelling, and he was like yeah. right next to Carl Anthony Towns, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, man, yeah." And I was just like, you know, it's his buddy. He's egging him on a little bit, you know. And it was just, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, yeah, I will say yeah. the one thing that pissed me off in this game kind of to to go against the point you just made is the Suns turning the ball over going into you know the end of the third quarter where they gave up like five points right at the end of the quarter or whatever you know that was alfred payton though that was alfred true, alfred payton and shamit still do those dumb things with the lazy passes where you know they they eyeball like an eric matter but uh what the hell is his name the blitz that we used to have he used to do that all the time which guy bledsoe the guy what's his first name eric is it eric bledsoe it's eric bledsoe all right next segment next segment okay well let's just move on uh, as fast as we can <laughs> The point 18th time in his career, second time this season, Chris Paul, the point god, a triple-double. So on uh, the day after both he and Devin Booker get snubbed from the NBA All-Star starters, not snarters, Matthew, mind you, they combined for a total of 50 points, 20 three assists and 13 rebounds. Chris Paul, 21, 14 and 10. Fantastic night from the point guard. He had 21 points on nine made field goals. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And what other people are talking about is now we're getting to this time where he's playing these minutes. What did he play tonight? You said 37 minutes. So it's almost 40 minutes a game he's yep. playing, I feel like. So now we're going to talk about load management, all that. Do we need that for Chris Paul? Just stop. All of that, just stop because it's not going to happen. You know, the team's never won a title where they preferred load management as just oh, playing yeah. out the season. A yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo played too hard and he won Finals MVP. Amen. So, so we're not going to do this again. I'm not going to talk about should they sit Chris Paul. Chris Paul is an NBA player; is here to play. He would feel like if he were to sit out and they were to lose a game, do you think he would be able to sleep the next two nights till the next game? Probably not. He'd be up all night calling everybody about what they should have done, all this stuff, and then really just, you know, going deep down inside himself, probably having to get a therapist to go to sleep at night because that would that would weigh a lot on his shoulders. So he's never gonna sit. Nope. You know, if the Suns are blowing teams out, then he can sit. He's gonna play every game. He doesn't play at a rate where he's abusing his body. He plays like a LeBron James and he's gonna be fine. Like I just don't even want to hear about it. Yeah, again, I don't think that load management, those words don't cross Chris Paul's mind. And I love that it's something that we as Suns fans never talk about with him because we know it's just not going to happen. So what's the point? What's the point of being like, listen, he played 37 minutes. He played 40 minutes here. He played Chris Paul plays so cerebral, cerebrally. Another word for you to look We're up. We're doing Matthew. good tonight. Yeah. We're doing great, man. I'm beers deep. I don't even care. You don't, you don't, you don't know it, but my wife just came in and swapped me out her empty beer. Your wife, huh? Yeah. She's, she gave Gaming. you her empty beer. Yeah, and then she took she's playing my, her video games. Yep, yeah. yep. She's she's playing Mario right now, uh, on uh, an online emulator. So, uh, but again, Chris Paul just uh, uh, 
he he plays so smart and he knows how to play mm-hmm. within the confines of who he is and what his abilities are. And he doesn't hit the floor the floor very often. That's what kind of caused the the technical foul from Carl Anthony Towns is, you know, he kind of bowled over Chris Paul. Chris Paul fell down and he said something to the ref and he teed him up and then Devin Booker's just fucking yelling. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was fucking, it was, it was great, man. So, uh, yeah. one thing I'd want to talk was, uh, those highlighter jerseys. I want to talk about the wolves real quick. That was between the highlighter jerseys, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm at, uh, uh, zips watching the game and it, it comes on. And you're just like, Oh, <laughs> It's just between the Suns having those orange jerseys and the Wolves having those highlighter green jerseys, mm-hmm. like that was a lot to absorb retinally, right? Another word to look up. Not rectally, retinally, yeah. correct? Yeah, not in the rectum. No, it's um, not at all. More in the eyes, more in the eyes. You know, a guy who suffers from migraines, a long history of my family, you know, it goes back to the Middle Ages, well, just the migraines. Yes. When that pops on, it's just like, oh, I got to actually wear sunglasses to watch this. It's super bright. And what sucks really that I feel bad for the Wolves because they have to roll into the playoffs with those kind of jerseys. You know what I mean? Even though we hate the Suns orange jerseys so much, it sucks that they have to actually have those for their first actually really good year as a franchise. I I typically like the the Wolves oh, jerseys. Like no, they're okay. jersey typically, but that that color is just no. That's like it's, it's like Seahawk green, which is really gross. Uh, Crazy Luigi says in the chat, and people complain about the Dimebacks jersey colors. I will definitely complain about the Dimeback jersey colors. When they do that teal and red shit, that is some of the ugliest shit I've ever seen. I have no idea why they went away from the teal and the and the uh, purple. That was unique. Not a lot of teams have teal and purple. I'm trying to think. There's like one other major sports team that has teal and purple. Who is it, Matthew? Oh, you, you always know this, don't you? Is it the Miami Marlins? I'm just kidding. No. They're, are no. they teal? No. They're like uh, they're a blue, but it's like blue and black okay. and orange. Oh, it's gonna drive me crazy now because every now and then I'll see it and I'm like, see, it doesn't look that bad. There's only one other team that has purple and orange. Uh, in is it in the all- Miami Dolphins? No. Okay. They have no purple. It's it's the purple part. You don't see a lot of purple anywhere. Okay. Uh, but the only other team that I really see that has uh, purple and orange in any sport, kind of across all spectrums is Clemson, the Clemson Tigers. They're the only other team that I know of that has purple and orange. God, teal and purple. This is going to drive me crazy. There's something, there's one team that has teal and purple. I don't Detroit remember. Pistons? No, Someone just threw in there. That's definitely, that, that's definitely red and blue. Oh, this is going to Colorado drive me Rockies. Crazy. Nope. They're only purple. They, the Rockies have the lamest uniforms ever. They've had literally the same uniform since 1994, but that's uh, the way you do it. If you yeah, change you, it, you, everyone you, you wants to go classic. back to the old stuff. Well, and Every- baseball is supposed to say classic. And yeah, again, exactly. Crazy Luigi says, I think Clemson was all orange. Their secondary color is purple. And whenever they rock like the purple jerseys, it looks really cool because it reminds me of, uh, yes, the Hornets. There you go. So C Bucks, the horny C Bucks to bar. The Hornets, they are teal and purple, and it looks clean. Okay. It does. We always say how much we love it, right? So they, they look amazing. No matter what they do, they have the best look in the NBA. They do. And it's teal. And purple. The Dimebacks need to go back to that. They try to bring back. They've got like the Sedona red and sand, you know, so they're very Arizona and earthy mm-hmm. with their colors. And they're like, eh, to throw back to the old days, we'll throw teal in there randomly while they're wearing <laughs> red. It's the ugliest shit I've ever yeah. seen. Sorry it's for the too sexual. <laughs> sorry for the tent for the tangent. Um, Anthony Edwards want to talk a little bit about him tonight. Uh, he ended with nine of 20 shooting from the field. 27 points overall, four from 11 from three, uh, five rebounds, 10 assists. If you were to shave Anthony Edwards' hair, do you think that he would be a dead ringer for Michael Jordan? Is that what you think? I never got that from him. I always, whenever I see him, now, now one, mm-hmm. he is a, he's physical. He's a great player, but I think that the way he looks, if you were to shave his head, I honestly believe that he would look like, uh, uh, Michael Jordan that maybe it's just me maybe I'm mm-hmm. maybe it's the beers maybe it's the beers talking <laughs> um you know tonight of course they played last night they played the Warriors so I, he seemed a little bit tired in the fourth uh, I think Mikhail did a pretty decent job on him but that guy's gonna he's already scary um I don't know if he's gonna you think he'll be an all-star or no because I feel like LaMelo would no, probably get the nod no, over no. him right no LaMelo he, would he, probably get, oh I'm sorry LaMelo's in the east my bad Exactly. The the reason he won't yeah. be an all star is he plays in the West, and uh, you know we got to get our boys in there. Mm-hmm. I'm totally. pulling up real pulling up real quick a picture of Anthony Edwards. Everyone to look look at. Let's see. Oh, I made it Michael in our background. Jordan. I never thought that. 
Never. Yeah. I just, there's something no. about him. It's yeah. I don't know if it's a, a facial structure thing or I just think I that if you shake, well, here I'll, I'm going to pull one up real quick from him playing at Georgia. There you go. Okay. You know, kind of. Uh, I don't him. see it. Yeah, you don't. I'm sorry, man. Well, it's okay. It's clearly just me. Um, no one in the chat either agrees with me either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the beer talking from uh, Rajan team. <laughs> um, but again, I just I think that Anthony Edwards is a fantastic talent. You know, he's in his second year. Yeah, he, you know, he he shot a lot tonight, but I don't care, man. I love watching that kid play. Yeah, you know he's gonna be good. He just he has that confidence, and he's talking to Chris Paul. He's talking to Devin Booker all game. Once you start doing that, and you can tell at the end of the game, these young players always go up to Chris Paul. Don't you always see Chris Paul hanging out with these young guys? Like at the end when they're shooting the free throws to win the game, Chris Paul is all laughing and yeah, kind of just showing, hey, you know, you should have done this, you should have done that on this when you're when you're playing this way, whatever the hell they talk about. I don't know, but it's always it's always interesting to see that because it happens almost every game. Yeah, again, that's just because Chris Paul is so cerebral and he just wants to talk. He'll. he'll He'll tell anybody anything as long as they're listening. He's kind of like uh, us, a couple podcasters. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, 8 for 20 from the field. So, again, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, 16 for 40 combined from the field tonight. He had 23 points. He had nine rebounds and five assists. Carl Anthony Towns complains a lot. That's my takeaway from him tonight. You were right. You know, when he shoots a three, he is an unbelievable talent, and he's huge, and he could do so much. But, man, does he bitch a lot. Yeah, I guess he does. I don't know. I feel like everyone does. Sorry. <laughs> I just feel like I, everyone I, in the NBA does. I, I feel like they do, but like with our content towns, I just I notice that he does it more than other players. Cause don't get me wrong, like I watch basketball every night with you, and I know it's a complainer's league. I feel like it's a less of a complainer's league this year. Uh-huh. I feel like a lot of guys are getting slapped around at the beginning of the season. They were complaining, but now they're just like, Oh shit, I can't complain because they're not gonna call it. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the, he's a yeller, and you know I hate the screamers, man. I hate mm-hmm. the guys who are like, ah, I hate that. I can't stand that. And uh, yeah, uh, Sonia think has, says he's like a big ass baby. Yeah. Do you think it has to do with, cause he is a big guy and he gets, he gets slapped a lot of stuff we don't see. So I think like the big guys have to be that way to sell things because they get hit hard. And I think the refs don't see it as much as like a smaller guy. So I feel like they have to be that inner baby out there. Maybe, but I see a lot of, you know, you don't see Bismack screaming, you know? I mean, you don't see DeAndre. Oh, he's just not- excited to be playing with the Suns, though. Yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> Jay, Jay Schneck, uh, uh, Coda Kid says, Devin, the worst at complaining, which is true. And I've said this before, like, Devin Booker, when he complains, like, he aggressively compa- complains. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's, like, yelling at the refs, and he's, and he's just got one of those faces. Like, if Devin Booker's yelling at you, like, you feel bad inside because he's, like, it's a mean face. And then Jay Schneck says it's a Kentucky thing, so maybe him and – and book, you know, that's that that's what they do. He's they, calmed it down a little bit. He's not yeah. as bad as he used to be. Yeah, he's he's getting better at it, but he, I mean he still has eight technical fouls on the season. So Jam Star of the Game. All right, Jamsters. This is that time of the podcast where we ask you to tell us in the chat who your jam star of the game is. If you're listening, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you're watching, hit that thumbs up button down below. Show off my bracelet. Thumbs up button down. <laughs> Thank you again, Jacoby, for this. It's dope. Got a little basketball right there, as you can see. Very dope. Uh, Matthew, who are you going to give it to? Because we do have some good nominees tonight. We do. And if there was a guy we that... Do, do, do. If there was a guy that um, did not get a triple-double, then I would probably give it to Cameron Johnson. But it's going to go to Chris Paul, just because the triple-double. And plus, play of the game, other than Booker getting excited about a technical foul, was... Chris Paul just taking the ball away from whoever the hell had it on the Wolves. Like after they missed a shot, Booker yes. missed a wide open mid range. He's more upset with Booker. I feel like just going to get the ball, but like, no, try again, dude, because you're supposed to make these. That was a play of the game. And that's what stole my heart and stole, you know, gave him not steal, gave him the jam star uh, nod. Well, and he also then oh. nutmegged the defender <laughs> on the play, right? You know, he stole the ball, he nutmegged them <laughs> and then went down. I mean, it was just like, it was a great end to the game, and, yes, and, you know, yeah. a great stamp on again a yeah. game that I, I it was Only a very entertaining game tonight, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just the Dosekis that made it entertaining. It was the fact that you know Chris Paul looked fantastic out there again tonight, uh, and yeah, he's my jam star of the game. Although I am very tempted to give it to Cam Johnson as you mentioned because I feel like he hit the two best shots of the game. It was that that period of the game where you know the Suns, I think the the Warriors or the Warriors, the Timberwolves got it down to four. And and by the way, the Timberwolves they had to, they had to play the Warriors last night, and then they had to come to Phoenix, and they yeah. lost both games. Like that sucks to to be them, man. I will, you know, you you got to call a spade a spade, and that's exactly what it was. 
Uh, but he hit those two threes, and I think that was absolutely paramount to the Suns at ultimately closing them out. But uh, yeah. I will, yeah. with you, give it to uh, give it to CP3. Who do we play right. next, Matthew? Spurs, right? Uh, we play the Spurs. Yeah, Championship Sunday. We're talking about before the pod. The the one Sunday that you love the most, and of course we play the stupid Spurs at the end of the second game. Real quick, Fabio just said, uh, Voida's new internet is the jam star. Facts! Yeah. I don't lag or get two years. pixelated <laughs> at all. Yeah, this is something, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but I know we definitely have talked about it off the podcast, is, you know, obviously we go live after every Suns game. And What's interesting is whenever we play the Spurs, it's always something weird, right? So, like, we played the Spurs last year, and we were all up with the family up in Flagstaff. So we had to, like, step away and do the podcast. Uh, We played the Spurs. uh, I think the last time we played the Spurs, it was – oh, it's when the Cardinals. It was on a Monday night when the Cardinals were playing. You know, uh, we play the Spurs on this upcoming Sunday, and it's – championship Sunday in the middle of, of those games. And it's like, that's when we play the Spurs. It's like we can never play the Spurs on just like a random fucking Tuesday where you can, I, you and I can really sit and put all of our, our, our thoughts and, and ether into the Spurs. And, and cause I was thinking about this the other day too, when it comes to the Spurs, are they still the team that you despise the most in the NBA or has it been replaced by another team? No, it's 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 not as bad. It is kind of annoying to watch them because they don't take showers like their head coach. So it's annoying to watch them in that just physically to watch them because I just I can't get over that. It's they all look the same and um they're all basically Landry Shamets, right? On one team. Like that's a perfect team. So <laughs> but every every night but tonight, you know, they're they're, they're exactly, Landry yeah. Shamets. Yeah. yeah, I think like, you know, cuz I was thinking about this cuz like I feel like due to Twitter and and just Laker Nation, I feel like a lot of their fans are super annoying because they're your typical fan where, you know, if if the Suns were to beat the Lakers or anybody on the Suns would outplay a Laker, you know, they they bring up all the championships and Kobe and Magic John, you know, they're like, well, you might have beat us tonight, but our whole history, you know, and it's just like even that, like it's a pretty interesting history between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. But there will always be an emotional deprivation that the Spurs deprivation, you can you can look that one up too. Deprivation uh, that the Spurs have caused me because I feel like I was robbed by them a couple times during my twenties when we could have won championships if it wasn't for them. They, you know, that's why I, for some even to this day I see that jersey, which is just like the Rockies. They're a team that never fucking take changes their jersey, right? The Spurs, like they're like, and our alternates tonight are uh, the same thing. We're just gonna do the same thing, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, no, you're it's, right. you know, so I, I can't stand the Spurs and DeJounte Murray, uh, fantastic talent that they have there. You got Popovich, who's, you know, Greg Popovich. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's still Popovich. Oh, Spurs talk is the most, I would just rather listen to like nails on the chalkboard, dude. Yeah. I just, I can't stand, you I know. can't stand the Spurs, you know? And, and I don't understand why, if you're, if you have deprivation, why don't you just drink water? Like, I don't understand why it's an emotional deprivation. They've robbed me. They, they've, they, it's not dehydrated. Matthew, I said, look it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, but Buck Dog's right. Buck Dog's definitely yeah. right. Fuck them Lakers, though. Like, I'm not saying don't fuck them Lakers, but like the Spurs, I, always, I, will, <laughs> I will always have a special Every place time. in my heart and super disdain for the San Antonio Spurs. Now, that being said, they enter this game, they're 18 and 31. They're currently the 12th seed in the Western Conference. Uh, they're a team that, uh, you know, obviously is doesn't know which way's up and which way's down sometimes. Uh, they've been playing pretty shitty lately. Uh, they do have some good players on their team. As I mentioned, uh, their leading scorer currently is DeJounte, Mur- uh, DeJounte Murray. They got Keldon Johnson, former Olympian, Derek White, Jacob Pirtle, uh, Dem Vassell. So, I mean, it's a team mm-hmm. that can kind of reach up and, and and punch you, but then they got, you know, Thad Young. And so will we be test driving Thad Young on Sunday, or will we? Be he probably won't play, right? He was DMP last game, so I, think I, I so, feel yeah. like he won't be playing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think that you know we, that should be ten in a row, right? That should be yeah. ten in a row. Forty Again. and nine, right? Jeez, 49. 49. 40 wins before no, nine losses. I hope that. I hope crazy. that happens. I hope that happens. Me too. Um, for it. Yeah, big time, big time. So. Do you want to do a little childhood trauma? I mean, I feel like we haven't done one in a while. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got five extra minutes in my day. All right, let's do this. Childhood trauma. Childhood trauma. Uh, what do we want to talk about? What what trauma oh, man. from uh, our... Do you have a story? 
I don't offhand, but if like we pick a subject, I always have a story. Just pick a subject, Matthew. Okay. Actually, uh, GM says you can think of anything too. Um, how can I not this? I can't think of anything. I mean, I always, you know, I, I talked about the cereal. Oh, oh, you know, I actually have something. Um, okay, so this involves your wife, Shannon. Okay, so, I know her. Um, I know her. Yeah, I don't know if this is like anything. It's not even that crazy, honestly. But uh, we is have it a traumatic neighbor. though. Ooh, I neighbor stories. Pretty... Neighbor story. Good. Okay, that's a good. That's a good. Yeah, comment. yeah. It was neighbor kids. So when I was younger, um, these two neighbor kids used to like get water balloons, fill them up. They're older. I think I was like probably six years old. And I used to go outside and play basketball and uh six or seven they used to live across the street uh they were older and they would get water balloons and just chuck them at me so i remember i was hiding we had this closet outside um i was hiding in there it Is was that like a shed a pantry a shed no it was like a pantry or something it was outside right inside the uh garage area it but it wasn't a garage though there was no door so it was just open what do you call that a carport kind of yeah yeah so i was in there i was hiding in yeah, there. and, and it's got storage it. in there yeah 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 so i used to hide in there and then they would throw it. And I would still see the water seeping through. Like they would just like laugh and throw it at me. And Shannon actually saved my life. And she came out there. And this is the first word I heard, first time I heard the word bitch. And how <laughs> she old came are you? out. I was like six or seven. And okay, I don't know so how then. old. So whatever, whatever Shannon was like 40, Thir- 13. 13. 40. <laughs> 13 at the time. She was like 13. They She came out and they started yelling. The two dudes were actually kind of scared. They went back to their yards. And she's like, you, she's like, stop being a bitch or whatever. And he's like, you're a bitch. And she was like, you're a bitch. So they kept going back and forth. I'm like, what's, what's a bitch? I had no idea what that was. So first time I heard the word bitch. <laughs> wow. Six. Huh? Your parents mm-hmm. were so much nicer, man. My parents were, you know, my, my, my dad was a cusser. That's for sure. It's like, I think I was called a son of a bitch when I was like four. So he's like, oh, a bitch, that's your mom. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, let me think. Uh, God, do I want to go cuss story or neighbor story? Because I have a little bit of both. Like cuss story. story. All right. So neighbor right. story. All right. So here's one neighbor story. So I, I've said it on past podcasts. Uh, my dad raised pigeons. So I grew up with pigeon lofts in the backyard. And, uh, you know, obviously when you have pigeon lofts in your backyard, and my dad, you know, with those pigeons, he, he raced them, right? So he put them into yeah. to races. Uh, but obviously when that happens and you have pigeons in your backyard, you know, you let them out of the cage, they fly around, you train them. Essentially. I used to have to get up on top of my dad's pigeon lofts with like this yellow flag and wave them in and everything. And, uh, neighbors aren't a big fan of somebody having a shit ton of pigeons right next door to you. Right. And I'll never forget my dad. You know, I was, I was out front and I think I was doing the same thing. I was playing basketball. Uh, I was really kind of poor growing up. So like I didn't have a basketball hoop. So, uh, on the front of my house, I, I had a square where 10 feet were. And that square is what I used to shoot at. I used to shoot at a square. And if I hit it, I'm like, oh, that's a basket. And I remember I'm so like anybody driving by, I look like an idiot. I'm just like throwing a ball at a wall. It's like 10 feet up. Right. Uh, and I remember I was up there and I, I, you know, I'm shooting the ball, if you will. And I'm hitting the square and my neighbor, <laughs> my neighbor comes out and the pigeons are going around because my dad was training them. And my, my uh, neighbor comes out and he, and he, he yelled something at me, you know, and I was probably nine or 10 at the time. This is when I lived in uh, uh, Sepulveda, California. And he yelled something at me and I don't remember what I said, but my dad came, just came storming out the front yard and he just started cussing the guy out. He's like, listen here, you son of a bitch. He's like, you know, I got a right to do this and I, I, I can go ahead and I can race my pigeon. You know, my pigeon, he's not doing anything to you. And he, you know, they, they're getting into it. And I'm just, I just remember just being like, this is awkward. And I'm just like shooting at this thing, <laughs> you know, and then my dad, he, for the rest of the time uh, that we lived there, we didn't live there much longer. We moved. Uh, my dad would just, he would be, he, he thought that neighbor was out to get to get him. So if anything ever negative happened in our life, and again, I've said it before, my dad, paranoid, schizophrenic, manic, depressive, uh, definitely has some, had some mental issues growing up, but was on medication and was very stable. But anytime anything bad would happen in our life, like he would blame the neighbor. I remember one time, like, I think my mom was out of gas and he's like, I swear the neighbor siphoned it from us, you know? And then he's just like, he was so anti that neighbor. So the, <laughs> the, the, the moral of the story is if you raise pigeons, uh, don't do it in a residential area and buy your son a basketball hoop. Cause I look like an idiot shooting at that square, man. I look dumb. <laughs> I think about that from time to time. I'm like, and then we moved to like this place out in Moorpark, California. We had like a farm. I had horses and then pigeon lofts. And like I took like a little laundry basket, like nailed it to a post, you know, in like 1992 or 1993 and like 
that's where I shot baskets. So anything to say on any of that? You know what? Whenever I'm like laughing the hardest, it's usually when I just can't laugh and it like hurts so bad right here. Like I don't even know how to respond, man. Well, well, there you go, folks. That was childhood trauma. And there you go, Jamsters. That's it for this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Once again, we will be coming to you live post the Suns versus Spurs game on Sunday. Remember, you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lucy. And don't forget, if you would like a cool bracelet like my buddy Jacoby made me, go to cobeadsco.com. The link is in the description on the YouTube page. Until Sunday, avoid those pigeons, ladies and gentlemen. Avoid those pigeons. Yeah, and go home and love your family. But not their pigeons. (laughs) 